You're listening to The Big Data Beard. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Data Beard Podcast. I am Brett Roberts, and today, actually, we have the entire Big Data Beard team with us because we have some very exciting announcements. I'm super excited about this episode. Uh, we have Corey Minton, we have Kyle Prince, and we have our newest member of the Big Data Beard team, Tom West. And Tom, I want to start off by just welcoming you to the Big Data Beard family, and I would like you to spend a few minutes just introducing yourself to our audience. Hi, right, thanks. Um, so I am a uh, I'm lucky enough to be a member of the Splunk Trust and um, work uh, based in the UK for a Splunk partner called uh, Hippo Digital. I've uh, been using Splunk since 2018. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, find some time to go to Splunk Live, came up with loads of new ideas of what I wanted to do uh, with Splunk and how I could maximize the value of data within uh, the team that I worked within. Um, came back, did a load of uh, really cool stuff, built a load of apps for uh, for DevOps type tools, Azure DevOps, Trello, and, um, and, and kind of started going from there. I've got I think 15 apps now uh, on on Splunk base. Um, was really uh, uh, excited to be part of the road trip last year, building all the uh, the, the dashboards and visuals for that. Uh, had a great time, and um, uh, um, yeah, just really going from there to there. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I we we met in our preparation last year for the. Uh, road trip to Conf, and uh, you know that's really where we started collaborating, working together. And obviously, a year later, we're so happy to have you be a full member of the team. But just you know, looking back a year at the the road trip to Conf, are we recovered from that yet, gentlemen? I don't think we are. I don't know. No, Kyle, I think not. you had the the longest trip in, in as far as just sheer miles. Are you recovered yet, bud? No, no, not even I. I still shake when I see an RV like passing by. Just in fear of, of that could be abducted into one it's 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 awful yeah. <laughs> yeah but you would get the opportunity to uh you know spend two straight weeks uh with two other grown men uh in an rv i can't imagine why you wouldn't want to do that again it was I, perfectly wonderful grown men is a loose term i would say grown men in, in the physical <laughs> form maybe not in the mental form though hey i grown you know one thing is, is like i'm a happily married man but like I equate it to the engagement process of it being the most wonderful experience I never want to do again. <laughs> like, it just, yeah, it, that entire thing. It was a lot of fun, but saw way too much of you in a two-week period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, let's look on the bright side. So, just real quick, I want you guys to share, and all three of you to share the, the, your favorite thing about the, the road trip to Conf last year. What, what really got you excited about doing something different this year? I tell you what, my favorite part of the road trip to Conf, besides spending amazing time with you guys, was uh, was honestly just kind of seeing the country that way. You know, from the driver's seat of a uh, of a big of a big rig, you saw me getting excited. We t- put on some good tunes. I was in a really happy place driving that thing, knowing that we were going to land in Las Vegas and like drive it onto that casino floor. Like the whole build up of all the work we had done and then like getting to actually go execute it. That just whole thing with, to me was just so fun to drive across the country and then pull into that <laughs> casino floor. It just felt surreal that we had been able to pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. And Kyle, what, what was yours? Oh man, it was, uh, I think the craziest part of it was just the experience of being on another continent, starting that. And then we started an entire development cycle with, getting data in to Tom visualizing in EMEA to 
to then flying there and getting it going. And then every day was a new challenge. Uh, but then at the end of the day was just going, holy cow, we we got this done. And uh, so I, I think just maybe the small victories every day was probably the most exciting part of lo- waking up and going, I don't know what challenge we're going to face, but we're going to get it done as a team. Um, but then at the end of the night, you know, hitting up a, a, a campground or an RV park or whatever it was, uh, and, and sitting around going, wow, we, <laughs> we survived another day on this thing. I think it was probably the most, uh, rewarding part of that trip. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun though. Yeah, and no, absolutely. I think all of those are, uh, memorable moments. I just like talking to all the people and hearing all the different stories about what they're mm-hmm. doing with Splunk and with data analytics and, and just all the innovation and creativity that's going around on across the, the, the country, really. Um, now, Wesley, you weren't able to join us physically, but you were definitely there uh, to support us and emotionally and with Splunk. What, what were some of your favorite moments of just helping us and, and being a part of the, the road trip to Conf last year? Just putting all the different visuals together. Um, and what was like, there was a lot of different things that I'd never done before that I thought I'd go and try for the uh, for the dashboards we put together and was surprised most of them to come to, came together. The, the hardest part for me was the lack of any real sort of test data because you can't really simulate a, a trip across the country until you start going across the country. And so I had the weekend before you before uh, before the road trip started to actually look at data as uh, as Corey was driving up to uh, to the start and thinking yeah okay now that now this is where I actually get to uh, to fix what I've not gone and done right and ended up not having to do anything that weekend which was great and then um because uh, I was expecting a uh, a child um, around that time. I didn't mm-hmm. uh, get a conf, didn't go, didn't uh, attend any of the road trip in person, but was great watching it all virtually fold out. Um, and uh, especially how well you started using the bathroom and then failed miserably. <laughs> I was hoping you say your favorite uh, experience was me calling you at like three in the morning your time. Like, hey, we broke everything. Can you help us? I think to be, but- <laughs> I think to be fair, that was more me calling you when you uh, yeah. when I'd got up going, oh yeah, have you checked this out? This is something new I'd gone and yeah. built. Let's was see cool. what's our escalation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for all levels of escalation. <laughs> no, so obviously the the four of us are still and remain very passionate about Splunk and Conf, and 2020 definitely have has a different flavor than years past. So we did want to do something different, but we were challenged last year at the end of Conf to to continue to you know innovate in this world of events leading up to to .com. So Corey, why don't you tell the audience about the the crazy idea that we had this year uh, to make it to, to continue the tradition? Yeah, absolutely. So the the trip was a great success that we did last year. We had over a million and a half impressions on social, and the conversations that we had with you know the Splunk community with Splunk executives uh, w- were awesome, and I think everybody left with a lot of excitement and, and enjoyment from what we did. And so we were thinking through, you know, what would we do for 2020? And at the beginning of the year, we had all kinds of crazy cool ideas of, you know, things that we could do to incorporate, you know, different ways of traveling and that kind of stuff. And then the pandemic happened and 2020 uh, took a turn for, uh, you wouldn't call it the worst, you can call it whatever you want, but it took a very serious turn. And so we started thinking, what could we do virtually that would give us an experience that would 
accomplish some of the similar goals, which would get, which was give us a chance to try splunking something that really hadn't been splunked before, but that thematically it was aligned to some of the things that we're seeing, you know, splunk used for in the real world. And so we landed pretty quickly on something motorsports related because Splunk's a uh, real tight partnership with McLaren this year and the F1 teams. And we thought, man, what, what could we do racing wise? And we had some really cool ideas of things we could do, could have done in person uh, motorsports related, which we'll hold on though to those for maybe 2021 when the world returns to some normalcy, hopefully. But for this year, we thought, okay, virtual, virtual racing, there's been a lot of things done with Splunk on, you know, video games. I mean, we even used some of the the Forza add-ons last year to get data out of the Xbox uh, using the UDP protocol. There's uh, Splunk's done like Project Cars at .conf. But those are all video games. And we wanted to do something that was more racing specific and more realistic. And so we, uh, we decided that we would do a virtual racing series to .conf. And that we would do it using the iRacing platform, which is a racing sim platform. So this year we're going to have 10 races uh, uh, that will be broadcast in the 10 days leading up to .comp. So they'll start on October 10th and they'll be taking place at uh, famous racetracks around the world. And they'll be broadcast at the local times of the racetrack. So everybody around the world will get to uh, experience the race broadcasts. And we're going to be doing much the same thing we've done in the past, which is around the world. We're going to talk with during the uh, race broadcast. We're going to talk with some amazing uh, uh, innovators around the Splunk partner community that are doing really interesting work to bring the power of Splunk's data to everything platform. And then our team is going to be doing a bunch of really cool stuff with the data that we're uh, that we're getting out of iRacing in a really new and unique way. So that's the idea. We're doing the virtual race to .conf20, 10 broadcasts, broadcast every day starting October 10th, and, uh, and we'll actually be having uh, the winners announced at .conf, and we'll have some cool experience stuff going on. So that's the... That's the idea. We're going to have a, it's, it's going to be absolutely crazy that we're going to have, uh, 10 races, literally global racing series on iRacing, the platform that, um, that they use for like Indy when Indy went, uh, virtual. So it's going to be super fun. Yeah. So we're treating an RV for virtual race cars or virtual McLarens, which I love. Um, uh, I will say though, that I am definitely going to try and emulate how Corey drove an RV in the McLaren though. Let's just try and do that. <laughs> Does that include uh, sleeveless t-shirts and all? Or? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen to some banjo music and driving real slow there and easy. <laughs> now, now, Kyle, help me unpack the iRacing platform and and explain kind of the, yeah. what the simulator is. It's, uh, man, it's tricky, you know? Like, um, for the past couple of years, we've been playing around with, like, Forza and the Xbox and kind of goofing off and, and going, yeah, this is a racing game. This seems fun. And then uh, we downloaded iRacing, and, and I've heard about it for a couple of years, but uh, until you properly download it and play with it a little bit you, and spend the first probably three minutes racing, you go... Holy crap, this thing is a proper simulation, and I am not a good driver at all. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the experience that I got with iRacing. However, on the flip side of that, you look at that and you go, wow, they've taken this much effort into the realism of racing. I wonder what they've taken into the realism of data collection around that. And that's been the fun part of this, is that we've been able to look at this and, and uh, you know, as... 
as truthful of the as they've gotten to the realism of the racing portion, they've gotten to that with the data collection standpoint. So we've been able to grab uh, a couple open source libraries uh, and build some data collection from that, and be able to pull things from like, uh, oh man, something as ridiculous as like the middle treadwear of a tire against the outer treadwear of a tire. Uh, in iRacing, we're able to collect that and, and send that into Splunk. So, so that as a platform is incredibly uh, powerful there. So, yeah, that that's uh, something that I'm pretty excited about there. No, absolutely, and and it it is a plethora of data that we are uh, looking at from the simulator. Now, now, Wesley, compared to the data that we had last year, and kind of and this data, tell us a little bit, like from your point of view, how this what this data is and kind of how this is going to help us visualize things in Splunk. Um, so it's basically every single bit of data uh, that you would want to uh, capture as far as at a basic level and illustrating, uh, illustrating a race, illustrating your perf- in individual performance as well versus the rest of the field. So we can uh, look at um, things such, such as speed, throttle input, break um but then we can look at um some of the more interesting metrics that were mentioned in one of our previous podcasts uh on the apex platform around um the acceleration forces both longitudinally and latitudinally and and capture that information as well and then because we've all got that because we've got that information all within splunk we can then start being able to use it not just to compare it to, to look at our own data but compare that to the rest of the field and exactly what we can do there um so and for me the main advantage is the fact that i don't have to wait until it starts for um just before conf to put everything together um because it's all uh, it's all a virtual race so that's uh, that's really useful from my perspective it's a lot easier to build test data that we can then use to reference yeah no absolutely now corey you are a uh avid racer uh in both virtual and real life, uh, and and we've seen uh, you know we've had an episode with uh, Apex Pro in the past around driving that you know you did some stuff on the racetrack. So when we started doing this, what are some of the questions that you wanted to ask, or what some of the things that you thought would be important uh, for Splunk to help us to be better virtual race car drivers? Yeah, I think uh, you know the interesting thing is that it's it's really challenging uh, to get real-time feedback, uh, right? So a lot of the things that we do with data collection in motorsports is is really post, right? It's all, let's look at the data after the fact and uh, and really start to, to understand where we could uh, change our actions on the track based on things that we're seeing. And as Tom said, you know, on some of these lat launch charts, they, they call them a GG plot, you know, starting to understand where you're accelerating, where you're not. If you look at your acceleration over time, that's one of those that's really important on a racetrack. You don't want to see, you know, if you think about time on the X axis and speed, uh, on the, on the Y axis, you really don't want to see any flat spots, right? Where you're staying at a static speed. You really want to be either accelerating or decelerating really rapidly. So there should be lots of peaks and valleys that are very sharp. Um, so that's what I wanted to see and and post so that I could understand, 
uh, where were those places where I was being lazy between shifting from accelerating to decelerating really rapidly and moving the car into the turn as rapidly as possible. So that was, for me, that was what I wanted to see out of the game was, could I get some of that similar sort of feedback that I do after a race uh, and after, you know, kind of learning the track. Um, and then the next bit is, you know, obviously we'd love to start to see that next stage. And this is really true of all I think data analytics, but specific to motorsports, motor is how do you take that sort of information and translate it into real-time feedback to give the driver guidance on the track? And I think mixing those uh, Splunk's real-time capability, especially with some of the things we've learned on uh, speeding up searches, would that be possible to accomplish? I think that would be the next evolution that I think would be really fun. And I think that, you know, maybe sim racers would get a kick out of as they if they had a real-time platform that could give them feedback uh, in real time. I think that would be super rad. Yeah, so uh, Kyle and Wesley, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Someday, maybe. But again, it's evolutionary, right? But, no, I, you know, I, but it does transcend the just the the descriptive question to, well, how fast did Brett go in the race? Or how many times did Brett slam on the brakes? Like, those are interesting, but not very. Like the We're asking more diagnostic questions that could help us be more impactful in how we drive throughout the race, which I think is really the power of Spunk and what we're trying to demonstrate here, right? Yeah, and one thing I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about was the the fact that this thing is we've talked about it's it's real like it's it's super good at simulating real life that we learned early on that things like uh, not understanding when you exit the pits that you have to be under a certain speed and that you have to maintain your lane position before you get to the safe exit cone. And, and if you don't follow these rules and if you drive unsafely in iRacing, they give you penalties where in real life you might get hurt in, in iRacing. It's, it's penalties in what they call, uh, I think they're called, um, what they call violation points incident or uh, points. Incident, incident, incident points, points right? Incident yeah. points. And so when I think about data sources or data sets that I think are most interesting is really, it's probably Brett's incident count would be one of the most interesting uh, in terms of <laughs> data. That's we're going, we're going there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but it, but it is wild. Like the simulator does an incredible job of, you know, having like, I've been on a, a lot of racetracks around the country in the U S and have a pretty good understanding of kind of the etiquette and the things that you do for safety. And it absolutely like translated. And then you notice like when we had, when we've had the folks join the the practice sessions that haven't ever raced before, they were like, Whoa, what, what is this blue cone here for? So it, I, I was blown away at iRacing as Kyle said, the, the realistic and the attention to detail on making it as a simulator, not a game has been quite stunning, honestly. And one of the things we did too, is we tried to make it like, the races that that were running for this this from a rules perspective, we're setting it up much like you would see uh, an Indy or an F one race, um, where we're absolutely going to have practices where everybody gets some time on the track. Think of that as like your your Friday session for F one, right? And then Saturday is qualifying, so we have you know about ten minutes of qualifying time where everybody's on the track, and you have to run as fast a lap as possible because that dictates your uh, starting position on the grid. And then we have the races and the races will last anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, depending upon the track. And, uh, and, and you're absolutely gridded up based on your qualifying and then it's all out. And it's uh, it's a single class of car. We're using the, the GT three car class, which is, uh, <laughs> probably not where we should have started. Uh, cause as we all learned, it is, uh, an, in- an incredibly, uh, challenging car to drive and to drive fast and drive well uh, and if you just start iRacing and you go like sign up you don't get to start in the gt3 cars uh, as a racing series you have to like work your way up from miatas to you know skippies and these other these other car series before you get to gt3 but that's where we started and uh hopefully uh the races 
reflect some of that ridiculousness and starting with the GT3 car. Yeah. So Kyle, your first time in the, uh, in the simulator, you're putting your foot on the, the gas kind of what were your initial thoughts in, of, of driving these cars? Just give us it the play by play. Yeah. It's uh it's very touchy. Um, you know, it's, it's very much like a real, real car. Uh, so we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to go through some, some real life exotic car racing before, uh, you know, going to Vegas and, and you decide, Hey, we'll, we'll do that instead. And that's good fun. But I racing really keeps true to the, uh, awesomeness that is exotic car racing. So, uh, I racing really stays close to that, to be able to handle that. Um, and it's been tricky there, there is quite a learning curve there. Um, you know, when, when it showed up first and I downloaded it, I tried to play it with an Xbox controller thinking, ah, it's just going to be like every other game. And it's definitely not that. So it is, it is something that you need a proper steering wheel pedal configuration with. Uh, I ended up with Logitech. There's plenty of manufacturers out there. We have good time with it. Uh, however, yeah, it's it is a proper simulation rig, and and, and it's good fun there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, now that you bring that up, let's talk about everyone's rigs. What are, what are we doing to uh, to help make sure that we can drive these uh, very fast exotic cars? So, Wesley, what do you have for your rig for this? So uh, I had a, a a racing wheel that had been gathering dust for the last six years. I think it was actually 12 years old. Um, so it's an old Logitech G25 wheel um, and uh, a 32 inch monitor that I could not fit. I could not make any bigger um, than that. So that that was my main rig with a uh, um, using a gaming laptop uh, and had a lot of fun with it and was uh, really surprised that the wheel worked at all, really. Well, I'll tell you this, from what I've seen in practice, I'm pretty sure you're hustling us with the collecting dust for six years. But anyway, so 32-inch monitor, wheel and pedals. Uh, Corey, I think you might have had something completely different, or, or not different, but more elaborate. Why don't you tell us about your setup? Well, I live by the motto, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Uh, and so <laughs> I, uh, I went full on. I, uh, I ended up getting a, uh, a next level racing cockpit. Uh, so with the GT cockpit, which basically, if for those of you who don't, are kind of not into racing sims, it's basically a racing seat attached to a frame that has a place, uh, kind of a mount where you can mount the steering wheel, which I used a Logitech G920 and their pedals, uh, has a place for the shifter and all that stuff. But it puts you in a racing position where you're kind of, you're back, you're kind of lean back a little bit, feet out in front of you, like you're in a race car. Uh, and then for monitors, I had the uh, three, 27 inch uh, HD monitors in kind of a wraparound configuration. And what that does for you in the racing is, is it really gives you that immersive uh, feel where not only can you see what's happening in front of you outside the window. And again, it's not like a video game where you can go up, you know, and drive like you're above the car, like it is cockpit view behind the wheel. Uh, but with the monitors on the sides, it gives you the ability to see what you would see out your left and right, you know, driver and passenger windows which is incredibly useful in, in, in iRacing and racing in general, because then you can see like when people are, are next to you, see if you're, you have clearance. It also allows you to, uh, one of the things they coach you on in, in racing is to turn, like turn and look, turn your head and look into the apex as you're turning in. So having that three dimensional view of the track to be able to turn in is, is really powerful. So I, yeah, I used, um, I used a Dell, uh, gaming laptop or gaming uh, computer. And actually, you know, it was a, a refurbed machine. It was an old Optiplex 
like 390 that just had a, it had enough cores to run iRacing, but we just put a, a pretty beefy GPU in it. Uh, I think it was a GTX 1050 Ti, and it's it was pretty low end on the rig uh, specs for iRacing, but honestly, it ran three monitors beautifully, and I was really impressed for uh, the amount of money that I was able to save not having to go buy this you know super high end gaming rig. Would you say the three monitors helped you crash into other cars as they were passing you or helped you not crash into those cars? Well, it helped me understand when you were next to me so that I could turn in. <laughs> there you go. Um, now, Kyle, you had uh, obviously living in Australia. What was your setup like? Yeah. Did so, you, did I, you go I, the other way around the track when you drive? Just the, yeah. Is that absolutely. mandatory? Yeah. I will say it. It is weird being an American going from driving on the left side of the vehicle to driving on the right side of the vehicle in Australia to then driving back on the left side of the vehicle. I, I told my wife when we were driving to like the the local grocery store, I was like, "Wow, this is really weird." You know, hopping sides of the car so much. Uh, <laughs> so that's weird. Uh, yeah. So my initial start was one monitor, uh, and then I moved to a VR headset that a friend had. And I liked it, but I didn't get the granularity that I wanted. So I jumped back to three monitors and, and that's what I ended up with. So very similar to Corey. However, I did uh, 24 inch monitors. I was a little bit easier on the desk. Uh, I do not have a full uh, racing simulation. So it's uh, it's myself in a uh, in an office chair. So we'll see how I go there. Uh and and an IKEA desk, so we'll see uh, we'll see if I have any issues there or not. But um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with the setup so far. You know, it's amazing how you can go from work mode to fun mode uh, with this setup. So pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm I'm going through the evolution too. I started with a uh, a laptop running iRacing with a steering wheel and pedals on my uh, you know my work chair that has wheels. So every time I would break, I would go back. Uh, and then uh, I was convinced by Corey to upgrade to a collapsible race car seat that did collapse on me the first time I used it, <laughs> uh, which is always well, fun. <laughs> it wasn't designed. It was designed to be collapsible. So you didn't have yeah. like a racing simulator in the middle of your house all the time. Like well, my, I have a dedicated That I'm office. doing right now. I have a, um, in my living room, I have my 70 inch TV in my den, uh, shout out Samsung, and my racing seat with the pedals and wheels and computer, and it is, I'm not going to be able to use that for, for a few months, but I love it. I'm having fun. We're racing. Uh, it's good, but I kind of have Friends a little come bit over. Of, Friends come over and they're like, what are you doing? And I have to like, this, this is a simulator. It's for work. Yeah. <laughs> About 50% buy it. But no, anyway, I, I, I think it's interesting though, because you know there's a lot of technologies that like VR and obviously GPUs that can be incorporated with this. Uh, I never got to use the VR stuff, but Kyle, I want to hear a little bit more, like other than the granularity of it, kind of how how is that experience different from the, the three monitors or the one monitor? Because I think that's a really cool technology, oh, yeah. other than it hurting your head for 30 or 45 minutes of racing. I feel like it'd it, be very sweaty. It's incredible. It's next level. Um, I was using an older VR headset, so... You, the the granularity wasn't there. I, I was also reading on some forums where you can really kind of, you know, there's like overclocking in computers. You can do that with VR headsets where you can get better granularity. However, I was candidly just a bit lazy on that end of it. Um, but it's it's pretty wild. Uh, a couple complaints I have would just be the weight of it against your cheekbones uh, can get to be a bit heavy after you know an, an hour of practice or so. 
Uh, but man, the immersiveness of it, oh, it's it's uh, second to none. It's it's super cool. I think it's definitely the future of, of gaming, especially when you're gaming or racing in this simulation style, whether that's, you know, racing or flying or, or whatever you're doing that you you never feel more immersed than you do with a VR headset. So I think it's definitely the future. Uh, I just think, you know, maybe maybe the newer headsets, if you're going to go for it, would be the way to go. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get back into a little bit of some of the the things that we're doing with an output from a dashboard perspective. And, and Wesley, earlier, and, and I think you and Corey both talked about this a little bit, where you know there's this real-time aspect and trying to be corrective, but also understanding, okay, well, you're doing so many turns in a race. How do you know which turn? Like, How do you connect the Splunk data with some of the vi- visual stuff? So I, I think we're doing some really cool things, or we're thinking about doing some cool things with YouTube. Wesley, can you talk a little bit about kind of what your plans are for that? Yeah, so we've managed to put a script together which will link a, uh, a dashboard with what uh, with where you are on uh, on a YouTube video. So as you're viewing that video through the race, then be able to mirror that uh, with the time uh, because Splunk is in essence time series data. Right? So link that with the uh, the time from uh, from within your data to visualize a real-time illustration of, uh, of how the race is unfolding. Um, but then not just uh, from that perspective, but once you finish the race and you want to analyze your performance after the fact, then to be able to uh, go into a dashboard and visualize, say, your performance versus uh, um, the best lap for the race. How did, how how far off the pace were you? Um, and you look at that via, say, speed or your throttle input, acceleration, where you were with gears and um, RPM, which is produce some really interesting uh, statistics by itself um, just just having a look at that data and how incidents affect people's performance as well so how your uh, how a, a lap where you had incidents how that goes and compares to everything else as well yeah uh, I think that's really cool I think that does give you the full picture to help reinforce what maybe some corrective things you can do in future races or just future driving and as a Boston driver I need all the reinforcement I can get because I, I am not good uh, I think the, the term is mass hole um, <laughs> now I think there's some other things that we're doing too and, and one of the themes that we picked up from last year uh, is heart rate and heart rate monitoring uh, Corey what are what are we trying to do this year with heart rate and driving? Like what are some of the things we're trying to do? Yeah. Well, I think it it really stems from that, you know, data is interesting in its own context, like from iRacing, that's cool. It's interesting. Uh, But any data analytics project, it tends to improve in its uh, usefulness in its ability to be predictive, to be informative in some way when you start to enrich a data set with other data sources. And I really think that's the the power of the when, when Splunk talks about their data to everything platform, that's really what we're trying to expose here, which is, hey, racing data is cool, but I wonder if there's things happening like to the person that's putting the inputs right into the steering wheel and pedals that uh, that is affecting their their outcomes, right? Affecting the way that they're driving, affecting their performance. And would we be able to start to you know, predict uh, or start to understand when things might happen in the future uh, that are are manifesting maybe ahead of time somewhere else in a data set. So really what we're trying to do is, you know, think through, is it possible to start to understand and predict things that would happen um, in the outcome or in some race activity 
by looking at the data that's not just what is already happened in you know inputs into the car but things that are happening happening to the person that is doing the inputs right so and that's really kind of what we're thinking you know you think about any sort of data project that's kind of the same idea which is if we have an outcome that we that we want or that we're trying to understand we need to understand all the inputs uh, that are happening around that, that, that might be informative to what's happening there. So it's really looking for those, those correlations. It's looking for causality, uh, in data. And that's really, again, that's what we're trying to do is just trying to find other data sources that might tell us something. I mean, one of the other ones that we laughed was, you know, internet connectivity might be the best, you know, dictator of, uh, performance. Cause again, you're, you've got a, you've got a racing platform that's having to send lots of all this input data across a wire that's, you know, it's not only having to do some things processing locally. So like if you, you know, another one might be GPU performance, right? We could look at that, that might have had a problem. So at any rate, that's, that's the goal with things like heart rate is really just starting to understand the, the enriching the data set with the expressed intention of starting to understand if we can be more informative or even start to get predictive. Yeah. So Kyle, do you think your heart rate's going to be higher when you pass Corey or when you crash into a wall? Ah, oh man, that's going to be tricky. Um, your question the, you'll never the risk is so well. you, you will pass Corey though <laughs> yeah I, yeah absolutely it's gonna be it's gonna be really tricky man i i think i'm gonna be white knuckles for most of the race just because you know you, you've worked so hard you've tried so hard you you don't want to do poorly uh but we'll see how it goes man so, so I've been looking at, at uh, you know, obviously we've been doing some practicing and some of these races that, you know, the four of us are racing. If I'm doing well with five minutes left in the race, I find that I am a lot more tense and my heart rate's a lot higher because I want to hold the line. Like I don't want to screw up and have someone pass me. So I feel like that's kind of where in my prediction for myself is if I'm actually doing well, which that's, that's subjective, um, it, you know, my heart rate will be higher at the end of the race. Okay, so... Corey, 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 what is your prediction for the virtual race of conf? I predict it's going to be super fun. Uh, I predict that, uh, given the participants that we have in it. So let's, let's talk about participants real quick. We've got teams from, uh, Splunk, uh, a big data beard team, obviously red river, Intel, Dell, Aero electronics, and, uh, and then there's this little company, uh, that happens to make some race cars, uh, called McLaren, who is going to be joining us for the race. Uh, and they are, uh, I don't know if you know, McLaren has an F1 team, but you may not know that they also have an esports team and we're going to have some of the members of the esports team, uh, join in the race. And I predict that they are going to kick our tails pretty handily. And uh, I, I would predict, based on some of the practices I've seen, that there are some really talented uh, sim drivers that are going to do really well. So I predict for myself, I'm hoping to come in kind of middle of the pack. I'd be really happy, like somewhere in the middle, uh, given that I'd be a little bit embarrassed if I didn't do a, a, a bit like somewhere in the middle because I actually do spend quite a bit of time in a car. So my prediction is, one, uh, there will be some really amazing drivers that will put on an absolute clinic. Uh, and then I, I predict for myself, I'll probably be somewhere in the middle of the pack. All right, Kyle, what are your predictions? I think I'm going to do horribly. <laughs> um yeah, I just we're racing against McLaren. I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, we'll just jump in and have some fun. Wesley's got what a 12 year old 
racing wheel here. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I don't hold high hopes for myself, but I think uh, with enough consistency and maybe time in the seat, we'll see how I go. Uh, and we'll have some fun, you know? Hey, as long as we're getting some data in and having some having a good time with it, eh, what else matters, you know? So, yeah, uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Westy, what are your predictions for the virtual race conf? Uh, that I take a good old tour of the pit box whilst I'm towing. <laughs> um, in practice, it, I, I kind of found that I was putting in some fast laps, but was as far away from being uh, consistent as it's possible to be. So I'd do a fast lap and then I'd spend three uh, laps in the toes. Uh, so uh, if all goes well, maybe mid to high. Um, I haven't raced in like six years. So uh, I'm hoping that I'll draw some of that uh, experience back again. Um, but uh, either way, I predict that it'll be a lot of fun for uh, for everyone and hopefully a good show. All right. So I predict that there's going to be a wide spectrum of drivers. I am going to fall towards the amateur in the wall in the pit side. <laughs> I am going to be better than Kyle, though. Let's just That's going to be a, a prediction right now that I'm better than I'm Kyle. Pretty fair. Throwing down the gauntlet. I like <laughs> Throwing it. down the gauntlet. Um, <laughs> and I predict that uh, Corey knocks me out of the race at least twice. Let's just, those, those are my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I would never do it intentionally, but if you're, no. I don't know, if you're in the way, if if you're in you, the way. do you think you'll be like, on the same lap as me, or are you going to like get in the way as lap traffic? That's what I'm wondering. I I, I don't really know what that means, but I think the term that you <laughs> use is Rubbin's racing or something like that as you hit me yes. on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> be a lot of Days of Thunder references as I go <laughs> <Yeah>. through there. <laughs> now, that being trickle. S- yeah. <laughs> now, that being said, we do have 10 amazing tracks. Uh, Corey, which track are you most looking forward to? Uh, well, I... I like uh, tracks that, you know, I obviously like road racing and I don't love the oval driving, especially in these GT3 cars. They just, you know, they're really not designed for the oval track and we're only really doing a little bit of that, but I am super excited about a road track that keeps everybody super tight and we'll have a field all together. uh, That'll be crazy. And it's the, uh, the, the Japanese uh, race course called Tsukuba, which is oftentimes a MotoGP or a motorcycle racing course, but it does get used for, uh, for racing in, in automobiles. And I tell you what, these, when we've practiced these GT threes look and feel like you're driving a monster truck on a go-kart track. <laughs> it's so fun because it's a, it's a short track. Everybody stays super tidy. There's a lot of, you know, there's really a lot of tight bends. Uh, you really never get out of like fourth gear. And, and so you're not like super high speed. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about Tsukuba. I think it's going to be a riot to have, you know, 12, 15, 16 cars on a track that's that small and tight, I think it's going to be ridiculously fun. Yeah, that just tells me you're a glutton for punishment, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> True statement. Yeah. So, so Westy, what, uh, what track are you most looking forward to? Uh, I am looking forward most to Silverstone, which was not a, uh, a track when having a look at the layout to start with, uh, I was going to expect to say, but um, having done a few practices around there and, and with me, with it being the, the British track on, on circuit, I feel as though uh, both patriotically, I have to call it, but at the same time, actually, it is one of the tracks that I found most fun um, just because of its its high speed, slightly more forgiving nature, which for me is definitely something that I need. Uh, and uh, and general just kind of... Um, ability to cause chaos in uh, in some of the uh, the, the high speed bends definitely. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You got to represent your uh, your home country track. And uh, Kyle, that leads to you. What track are you most looking forward to? Hey, you know, going off of Wesley's answer, I should probably say Bathurst. Yeah, but that was I've... the setup there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But man, I I, I got to be honest. I've I've really had a lot of fun in Vegas. Uh, and it might be, you know, that it was the first real track that I finally started to feel comfortable in uh, the McLaren with. But just, it, I feel like it's a great mixture of going fast in an oval, but then you've got a proper mixture of then some some tight turns, some hard braking. Uh, I I really do enjoy that track, and I, I see myself having a, a smiling face on when I'm going through that. So... I'm going to say Vegas, and we'll see how I go with that. Oh, Vegas is so hard. It's got all that gravel on the infield that, like, it if you does. stick a tire off, stay on the track, though. you're gone. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're good at it, buddy. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not if you don't suck and for also, it. <laughs> the thing I love, too, for the like for folks that have, the first time they drive that track is you come around that oval, and you're just absolutely flying. Oh, you're And hauling. all of a sudden, you're like, why are there cones on the track? And it's because yeah. you have to come to almost a complete stop to hard turn into the infield. And that I predict will be the site of a number of one folks just forgetting about the turn and going completely through the oval, but two people just absolutely bending it in, uh, just like trains banging into each other there. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think Brett, what about you, what yeah. track are you looking forward to? I'm going to say two because I can. Um, the first one is Lamont because I think that has a nice mix mm. of good turns, but a really nice straightaway where you can get really fast mm. as well. Uh, I, I And also it's just, you know, with the Ford versus Ferrari movie, it's kind of relevant in, in, or to me at least at this point. But I'm also going to say Daytona because unlike all of you, I am bad at driving and I can go left for days and I'm okay with that because that's going to be the only full oval that we do. Yeah. So I am a full, full on pro Daytona. I'm excited for that one. I think that's going to be a fun race um, for 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 me at least. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So so I just wanted to wrap this up because I'm super excited about this event. Uh, I think this is a great way of celebrating and really hyping up Conf 20 uh, this year. But I want to end with just getting all of you to talk about what you're most excited for for Conf this year. So Wesley, I'm going to start with you. What do you what are you most excited for for Conf? I'm most excited for my own talk uh, around uh, on, in the developer track. So uh, I'm giving a talk around uh, one of the apps that I've created on Splunkbase and uh, how you can use some of the things that it does uh, in terms of showing you how to create custom search commands, uh, some of the uh, some dashboard visualizations that we have, not just in that app, but what we've gone and shown with the dashboards for the road trip, and uh, how you can make use of CI/CD for your apps as well. Very cool. And Corey, what about you? I'm just excited to see uh, that while I don't love the fact that we've had to go virtual for everything this year, I do think that uh, it will present a really unique opportunity for more folks around the world who maybe lacked the ability to get <clears throat> to Conf, um, you know, physically for for whatever reason that they may not be able to travel there. But I'm really excited about the you know the the inclusiveness of a virtual event like this that. At its core, all the planning, all the organization is really is really geared towards giving folks who join online the absolute best experience. And so I'm really interested to see the, the you know kind of how that comes together for a purely online uh, tech conference with a company that generally does, I think Splunk does a good job on their conference. We obviously love it and spend a lot of time there every year. 
I'm really excited to see how they how they make that experience accessible to so many more people, and how they how they bring the um, you know just that, that that feel right, the community feel, and things like the pavilion and some of that. Like, I'm excited to see some of that where they how they execute that in the virtual context, but that so many more people will be able to experience the full you know conf. I, that that to me is is going to be really exciting. Again, I'm not I don't love this virtual world. You know, thing that we're having to go through because I like traveling and I like being in front of my friends and talking to people and stuff. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be formative for the future on what conferences can be. All right, and and Kyle, what about you? Yeah, Corey, Corey took Corey a pretty big stole, one there, didn't he? <laughs> he's, he's still my answer, man. Yeah, it's I, you know, it, this this new world isn't the most fun. You know, it's it's a responsible world, but it's not the most fun one. And uh, part of the fun of Conf is getting to see everybody and, and and interact and share stories of of how you've made Spunk awesome and how Spunk has helped make you awesome. Uh, so we are going to miss out on a bit of that. But what I am excited about is is if anybody can handle an online conference super well, I think it's Splunk. Uh, so I'm excited to see how they execute that and how they bring that quirky Splunkiness to this uh online conference world uh and and how we we have a new round of of fun within a virtual conference world so and hate to keep it general but that's kind of what i'm excited to see is is what they're capable of given the new set of challenges that we live in yeah and you know what i'm personally excited about this year is that i actually get to go to sessions like there all these sessions are gonna be online and you can go to sessions you know that might be being played at the same time because you're going to have them over and over again. So I'm looking forward to learning this year, really getting to see some of the cool sessions. I know Corey and Kyle, you guys are going to be giving a session about the virtual race at Conf and really yeah. going into the details of this crazy experience that we're doing for the second year in a row. So I'm really excited to see that and obviously participate for that. I'm giving a session as well um, called uh, I'm giving her all she's got admin, which is a Star Trek theme based session <laughs> around, uh, you know, just infrastructure best practices for a growing Splunk. So I'm excited for those things. But really, I just want to learn. And I felt like the last couple of years, the whirlwind that is conf has caused me not to be able to actually get in to see some of these mm. really smart people present. So that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. Are you going to wear a Star Trek uniform while you uh, present that one? Uh, it depends if uh, Big Data Beer is going to buy it for me. I should not have said that. Never <laughs> I like, mind. It's a quick kid. I have your I think address. We figure that out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just the pointy years. Yeah. Well, I will say, everybody, you know, who's listening, I, if you're if you're going to be part of the virtual conf, definitely check out Westy's session. Definitely check out Brett's session. Uh, and Colin uh, and I are going to be doing uh, a session in the Splunk for You track, which is really kind of a, a it's a track that's going to have a bunch of fun. Uh, kind of interesting ways that Splunk's being used uh, for fun, but it's uh, ours is uh, chart session thirteen thirty seven, or you can just look up Big Data Beard and you'll find it. So I definitely encourage everybody to check out those sessions, and we'll be uh, they'll be you know recorded ahead of time, but we'll be available in the in the panel rooms to answer questions in real time. I do also want to thank our partners because without them, none of this would have been possible, right? So obviously Splunk, our title sponsor. And then there's a host of other organizations that we have partnered with to make this possible. And they all all doing great things with Splunk and helping their customers get the most out of their Splunk deployments and, you know, really turn data into anything. And so we have Red River Technology, Dell Technologies, Intel, 
Aero Electronics, Hippo Digital, and then also McLaren. So, gentlemen, this has been great. Look forward to seeing you on the track, hopefully through my rearview mirror. And please make sure all of you that are listening, you tune in to the virtual race to Conf 2020. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast.